This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T-Bone Turner from The Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. It is episode number 145 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast, the finest bowhunting podcast ever to be recorded in Sherrard, Illinois. We are at 1600 Buckslayer Place, right in the Buckatorium in the aforementioned Sherrard, Illinois. I'm Steve, the round man with the square deals. Kurt, what's happening? Oh, not a whole lot. Just me and you. It's weird. Just me and you are in your house. It seems very echoey in the studio, doesn't echo, it? Echo, echo. Yeah, I can almost hear myself talking. It's weird, man. But uh, yeah, Eric's is. Hey, what's he at? Like an Eric Church concert or something? Yeah, he I mean? had to go meet Eric Church. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I guess we, he had to go. His old lady bought him as a surprise, and he was going to skimp out on her. But I guess he's got to keep her around for some reason or another. Well, hey, you know, if I, I don't know, if I was Eric, I'd do the same thing too. Anyway, moving on. Thank you for listening, guys. We uh, we couldn't do it without you. We could not do it without our partners over at Elite Archery. EliteArchery.com. Go check out the Option 6, Option 7, the Tempo. Those they got a are, bunch of new ones out. Yeah, that, yeah, they got a bunch of new those ones. Those are the three options that we chose. Ooh, Get it? <laughs> I, yeah, see, the, I told you the puns are endless. Um, I'm dude, shooting the, the Rebel. Tempo. Mm-hmm. The Rebel is shipping very soon, so go check that out. That thing is incredible, man. Mm, yeah, I want one so bad. But, yeah, uh, check them out. Go to your local dealer. 
Also, if you're going to your local dealer, you're going to want to go ahead and uh, ask if they don't have Scent Crusher already. Scentcrusher.com. Scent off. Game on. They use science to get rid of scent. It works for If it works for me, it'll work for you. I promise that. <laughs> that is a very uh, <laughs> true statement. Just run that ozone go, Steve, in your car, and uh, it'll help cover up that working boot foot or <laughs> that's right it won't uh it won't clean the mess but it'll hide the smell Thank it, it'll eliminate uh bacteria mm-hmm. and stuff like that uh, also no. hha sports uh an american company which is an, fantastic supports our veterans as well uh with the new virtus 22 rest and all their single pin sites backed with a lifetime warranty and now you can get them in three pin sites if you want to go that way but uh single pin i like the dovetail Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I'm very happy with my sight, and it's it's bulletproof, man. You can it bang is. that thing off a rock, and it's still holding up steady. <laughs> oh, a rock. Not not a boulder, a rock. <laughs> well, well, maybe a boulder. Lifetime warranty. If you dr- Yeah, if you buy the rest, and you buy the sight, and you have it on your bow, and something happens, you drop out of a tree stand, or if you're Mark Reif and run over your bow with your <laughs> truck, it's backed. You know They cover that under their warranty, which it says a lot about a company when they do something like that, especially <laughs> in an accident. Absolutely. So, and no warranty needed, Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing in Viola, Illinois. You're not going to need a warranty because there's no way you're going to return any of that food because it is so good. And plus, you know, that is true. And plus it's, it's gone. But uh, I took a finest. roll of the red pepper sausage to work the other day. Did you? Oh, man, and that ain't going to last long. It's just funny how many friends you have when you have deer meat and deer sausage or jerky around. Oh, for sure. So the red pepper is awesome. And uh, I had a couple of guys getting mad because they got their deer processed elsewhere, and it wasn't as good. So I'm just like, hey, you know, man, it is what it is. You got to just figure it out next time. So check out Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing, Viola, Illinois. Super thankful for them, guys. They've supported us from the beginning of just about. So, uh, But thanks for listening to the show this week. We are... We're hitting a, a vet shout-out, too. I yes. want to give this, this, this shout-out. I know we shared it on the Facebook page, but the dudes over at Heroes Hunting, we love those guys. Patrick, um, man, these are such good dudes. If you ever check out their show, it's on Carbon TV. But what they've been doing is they've been sharing this, and this is awesome. They're they're helping you get a free therapy dog. You do not need to be a resident of Iowa. Um, Working with the Animal Rescue League of Iowa, they're trained dogs, and they're having completed a six-week course, and they're looking for a veteran home. So, you know, go check out these these dogs. Man, them guys, it, it's a world of difference what, what a dog can do for uh, vets with PTSD and just simple things like that. So go check them out. Go follow their Facebook page at Heroes Hunting. And if you can help put a service dog with a vet, man, the more power to you. Don't, don't we have one more veteran shout-out as well? Yes, we do. We have it ready. Yep, and I wanted to—I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a second vet shout out. So this is a good thing, man. The more vet shout outs, the better. The other vet shout out here, we're gonna um, we're gonna give this to, and man, I, I, this is a name I'm not gonna mess up. Skyler Burke. He's an Army Ranger, Second Ranger Battalion, Fort Lewis, Washington. Six years in, oh, five deployments, all to Afghanistan. Good lord. That's like, you know, that's like you, it, you start a job and five out of the six years are the worst possible things that you could ever do. But, uh, Skylar Burke, thank you for your service, buddy. Really appreciate it, man. You put the work in 
That is awesome. Uh, that, and that Jeremy Mayer sent that one out. Jeremy Mayer, yep. I, I didn't want to read his, uh, whole Instagram name. <laughs> so it's sitting right up there. But, uh, again, thank you for your service. Jeremy, thank you for sending that vet in, uh, vet shout out in. So yeah, thanks for all that. Keep them, send those in. We'll shout them out. Uh, this podcast is going to be, uh, really cool. I'm super interested for this and it's a lot that I, I know nothing about. With. Yeah. We'll just get into it. We don't got to talk about it now, but I think it's going to be cool. Uh, Chris Helms. Vidcam dude. We actually technically ate dinner with him and his wife at ATA this year. And Do you remember it? Oh, yeah. I, I just don't. I didn't really get to talk to him a lot. There's a lot oh, of people sure. at the table, so we didn't really get to connect. Um, didn't get to chop it up. Well, yeah. guess what? You get to now. Yeah, so it's going to be cool. Um, it's kind of funny that we're having him on the podcast, and yet I was sitting like four or five feet from him, and we just didn't get to actually have a conversation. You know how it is. When well, there's, ATA is kind of a crazy well, place. He was nervous to talk to you, man. You're such a superstar. I'd be nervous to talk to you, too, if I didn't come to your house once, twice a week. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, bad. <laughs> but so, uh, we'll get right into it with Chris, uh, get talking to him, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We love you. On the phone with us, we've got the legendary VidCam dude, manager of the Spirit Wild Ranch. I'm sure you've seen him on Instagram, Chris Helms. Chris, what's happening? Hey, guys. Happening? How's it going, man? Oh, man. We're living the dream. How about yourself? Oh, living the dream, too. I just had to, I was planning on sitting outside doing this interview to watch the deer, but it's a little too windy. I was like, ah, this, this wind's going to screw everything up. Hey, there you go. It's, it's always the wind, right? Yes, <laughs> Blame sir, the wind. Yeah. You, you always, you always got to play the wind. <laughs> podcast it is no different yeah you can't have a, you can't have a wrong win with a podcast because that would uh thanks for thinking about us because that would have screwed everything up yep yeah i've heard some of the guys on there before and i don't want to be like them <laughs> yeah hey you know a hey. step above the rest we like it <laughs> yeah there you go quality over quantity right <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Well, well thanks for coming on the show we actually kind of sat at the same table for a while during ata but really didn't get to talk much in person and uh which is kind of funny. We get to do it now, so maybe we'll catch up actually next year at ATA yeah. in person. So yeah, yeah, and I yeah, I heard I heard you there mentioning you were part of the podcast, and I know I've heard it before, and I knew exactly who you guys were, so it was nice to put a face to it. Right. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, one of our uh, a friend of ours who's from the area, um, she's part of Last Breath TV. Logan Partlow became friends with your wife. Yep. So yeah, and that yep she. Uh, she came up to us at the ATA, and she's like, you may not know me, but I know you guys. <laughs> but uh, we hit it off real quick and uh, yeah, hung out with you guys and her for the rest of the ATA. It was fun. Man, when a, when a good-looking woman like Logan comes up and says that, it's either one or two ways. It's either, oh, this is going to be really cool, or oh, God. <laughs> yeah, right. We love you, Garrett. I love you, too. Just uh, wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> Garrett Partlow. Garrett Partlow. <laughs> I'm going to get a text again tomorrow. Um, yep, yeah, you're in trouble there, man. Chris, talk about who you are and what you do, and uh, just kind of make an introduction to our listeners. All right. Yeah, for you guys that uh, don't know who I am, uh, I'm Chris Helms, the the VidCam dude, the one and only VidCam dude for Ted Nugent, Spirit of the Wild, on the Outdoor Channel. And uh, I'm also Ted's ranch manager for Spirit Wild Ranch. So as you can uh, imagine, it's a pretty busy life, and it's a pretty fun <laughs> life. But <laughs> But it's a... It's a it's it's a good time and well we're always out in the woods hunting and I try to post as much as I, stuff as I can on Facebook and Instagram to kind of let people know the behind the scenes and what else goes on other than Ted just sitting in a tree. 
<laughs> right, right. Yeah, now, I can imagine you're pretty busy with probably everything that goes on there, and we don't know the half of it, but hopefully during this episode we can learn yeah. the half of it. Hey, I, yeah. I, I got to yep. ask, when, when Ted signs your checks, now if he doesn't do this, he should. Does he sign the checks, Ted Nugent, dot, 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 the guy who wrote Stranglehold, or does he just <laughs> sign his name? <laughs> no, most of the time it's the Nuge. Oh, that's oh, awesome. I hope that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> the emails, emails. The the subject is the nuge. No matter what it is, that's the subject. That is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that makes me smile. <laughs> yeah. uh, I read his uh, manifesto. Like, yeah, I, I love it, man. I, I'm glad that's a true thing. <laughs> yeah. Anything that guy writes or talks about, man, it's it's a the real the real deal. Well, let's talk about you first before we get into the ranch and everything else. Can you talk about maybe some of your bow hunting history and experience and then kind of lead into that where you got started into like maybe doing some film type stuff? Yeah. Well, I've, uh, let's see. I'll start back to day one. My dad, my dad and my brother and I, we always did a whole, my dad got me into archery real young because he was in the archery. He was a, there's not a whole bunch of Texans who have been, bow hunters their whole life but my dad has been mm-hmm. and so he got me and my brother into it at a very young age and i remember going out with him before you know i could even draw a little recurved plastic bow back and going hunting with him and going through the fields and stuff like that and there was one bow hunt i really particularly remember we came up on a big group of hogs out in a field and he, he was able he just picked me up and set me up in a tree and said don't move. I'll be back. <laughs> so, so me and my brother from on top of this tree, we could look down and see what was going on and, uh, watch my dad stuck stalk up on these hogs. And he ended up shooting one high in the shoulder and of course dropped it in his tracks. <laughs> but, uh, that was my, my first really memory of hunting was that, and that was a adventure. But then he got me a, uh, just plastic little recurved bow. And I practiced with that, um, you know, all the time, just shooting targets in the backyard. And then as me and my brother got to the age where we could uh, start shooting archery competitions, mm-hmm. all, all three of us would uh, go and shoot archery competitions there around my hometown of Brenham, Texas. There was a a Washington Washington County Bow Hunting Club, I think it was called, something like that. But we would always come home, all three of us, with some sort of first, second, or third place trophy. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah, so it was always good, you know, getting into that. So I always, I've always been bow hunting or or uh, at least shooting archery. Right, right. Except so you, I, you don't uh, really know any different. That's you've grown no, up in uh, it. You've been surrounded in but, it. Yeah, but I did. You know, it took me years to get my first animal with a bow, but I did get my first uh, deer at the age of thirteen with a rifle, and it was a just a giant six point, which you know as a 13-year-old kid, that's the biggest deer in the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> biggest deer in your life. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yep. And, um... Oh, that's... Speaking of, Ted just texted me. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, the... You know, and back then, too, whatever deer walked out, that was a great deer. There was there was no management, really, back then. Right. Oh, for sure. Well, it was all for, yeah. like, just... The passion of it, getting into it, especially when you're young. Exactly, yeah. It, that's what it really hunting's all about. When you boil it down, that that is hunting. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, yeah, that's... So my, yeah. my dad and I were sitting together, and he had his bow, and I had my rifle. He goes, if something comes within bow range, 
I'll shoot it. If something comes within rifle range, you can shoot it. Well, everything's in and rifle so, range. Yeah, so it ended up, <laughs> uh, you know, but I think it was, you know, 50, 60 yards out. And I was so nervous. I was aiming behind the shoulder, but I shot it in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> did it go straight down? Yeah, oh, yeah, it did. It went straight down. And that was the, you know, that's the best thing ever, too, to see an animal go straight down. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I remember. It wasn't where I was aiming. <laughs> that yeah. is funny. And it, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's awesome. You know, you, you grew up with it. I mean, you know, you, your first inkling is seeing your dad do something really manly, you know, stocking up on hogs. You know, I yeah. remember the first time I saw my dad do something manly. You know, he was getting a mouse out of a mouse trap. But, you know, different strokes <laughs> for different folks. I mean, you know, you, yep. you've been so ingrained in it. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. So you got the first deer with the rifle. What was the first yep. critter with the bow? My first critter with the bow was a hog. It was a kind of... Texas does have somewhat of a mountainy country over in Lakey, the hill country part. Mm-hmm. I did. I got my first uh, hog with a bow, and then I got a doe or two, and then I shot a spike. A spike was my first buck, and I thought it was a doe. So uh, I got my first buck out of the way. I wasn't even nervous. That is awesome. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you got to break yeah. the ice. That's a cool thing. Like, yep. Hearing about the hogs in, in Illinois, you know, Iowa, we don't have hogs up well, here. Well, not yet. They're working their way up yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, they actually are. It's which a matter is, of time. Yeah, which is scary. But uh, well, I, I get it is kind of scary. But the thing is, it's that's kind of on every Midwesterner's bucket list. And it's on there somewhere. It might not be the top one, two, or three, but it's in there to go south and kill some hogs with a bow. And yep. I just think it would be it, a good it, time. It's fun because they are a nuisance, but they are fun at the same time. We never want to get rid of all of them because, man, they're they're just fun to hunt. They're great <laughs> to eat. And they they allow your summers to, you know, if you don't have exotics and stuff like that, they allow your summers to be fun, you know, fun with hunting. Man, that's organic bacon right there, man. Well, you can't yeah, complain it about is. that. Good. Speaking of that, how's yeah. it eating on the wild hogs? It's good. You get – um. Up to about 150 pounds, they're good. Anything over 150 pounds, they get a little tough. But there's meat markets around here that actually will buy them from you. Oh, and really? The big, yeah, they buy them for like 40 cents a pound. <sighs> and that, yeah, that's gut. You know, it's gutted. You leave the you leave the lung, heart, and liver in it, but you take everything else out, and you got to get it to them within like eight hours. But yeah, it's those 40 cents a pound. So, man, it's a, wow. And hog hunting year round, right? Some, those bigger ones that aren't necessarily the best to eat, you take it to them, and I don't know what they do with it, but they do something with it. <laughs> Let me come down to Texas and make some money. Good Lord. Yeah. I wonder uh-huh. if any of that goes to dog food or they oh, donate I it. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Yep. And I know that a lot, a lot of times people ship it overseas, and they actually like the bigger ones overseas better than they do here. So Yeah. I mean, however they prepare food or do things a little differently, yeah. that yeah. might be perfect uh-huh. for them. Um Let's talk a little bit about how you kind of merged into working with Ted and, and all that. Yeah. Well, I started, so, you know, growing up hunting my whole life, I knew I wanted to do something with wildlife, you know, as a career. Mm-hmm. And of course, as a kid, I think I want to be a veterinarian and then, you know, kind of stuff like that. But then as I went into my first year of college, I knew I wanted to be a wildlife biologist. So I thought, uh, oh, maybe I'll be a biologist for the state or the county. You know, or you were even a private ranch, but wasn't on a top priority of mine. Mm-hmm. But so I was going to A and M down in Kingsville in South Texas, which is about the first or second best wildlife school in the nation. Really? 
Yep. So I, I, it, they're small classes. I've, have you heard of the the King Ranch and the Kennedy Ranch? Yeah, that's what they named the the truck yeah. after. That yep, the Ford trucks, the, the King Ranch. They're the King Ranches. It used to be a million acres. Now I think it's like five hundred, six hundred thousand. But then there's wow. the Kennedy Ranch, which is two hundred and sixty thousand, and that's what I I was working on the Kennedy Ranch. Uh, helping manage a lease of that, which is a, a sublease, which is 36,000 acres. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Good Lord. So, yeah, so I was helping manage that while I go to school at the same time. <laughs> and my uh, my old boss, uh, Greg Kern, he owns U.S. Pipeline. He's a, a big billionaire guy. He's a real nice guy. Uh, he was friends with Ted. And so Ted would come a couple times a year and come hunting uh, whitetail. We have hogs, nail guy, turkey. And we're right on the right on the coast, so we can go fishing and do all types of stuff. It's a it's a hunting paradise. Mm-hmm. But so I got to know Ted through that him coming to the ranch, and because I've been a lifelong bow hunter, he really saw that I knew how to set up stands properly. You know, sun to your back, wind to your face. Uh, you know, you don't a lot of Texans and stuff. There there are a lot of rifle hunters, mm-hmm. so they think. A 50-yard shot isn't that far, but for a bow hunter, <laughs> a 50-yard shot, that's a long shot. Everything's right. bigger in Texas. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, so you want you know, you know, want your 18, 20-yard shot if possible. Right. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I set him up with great cover. You shoot off your left shoulder. A lot of people think, you know, oh, you want to be facing where you're going to shoot. You don't want that because then you have to turn. Mm-hmm. You know, little, little things like that to a lot of bow hunters is simple, but to a lot of rifle hunters... They don't think about it. Right. So, uh, so yeah, he saw me do that and work around the camp house. You know, we had cooks and we had guys, we had cleaning ladies and stuff like that. But if the trash ever needed to be taken out, I took out the trash. If the, you know, the cook needed help cooking something, I helped him cook. Mm-hmm. And I was always the first one up, last one to go to bed. And Ted really saw that and really noticed it and, him and I, we stayed in contact throughout those couple of years where he was coming down and hunting. And then he called me up one summer, here about five five years ago, and said, "Hey, Chris, would you like to come uh, work for me for a couple of weeks while I come off tour?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, heck yeah! You know, I'll go work for Ted Nugent. That's awesome." <laughs> yeah. So so I asked my I asked my boss if I could have the time off. He said, "Yeah, go for it." Because I had already by this time I had already graduated with a, a, a wildlife biology degree. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking for a job. I'm looking to get out of South Texas. I didn't want to stay down there. And my boss, my old boss knew that. Well, so I came up here to Spirit Wild Ranch and uh, worked like I normally work, you know, worked my butt off for about two weeks. And then him and Shermaine sat me down and said, hey, Chris, this was a test run to see if you work as hard out here as you do out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're like, well, would you like to come? Uh, would you like to come work for us? I was like, well, heck yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That'd be awesome, yeah. And then, and then the uh, the two weeks I was working here, I'd never really done uh, professional videography. I, you know, me and my friends mess around filming each other's hunts. You know, on little Sony DVD handy cam things they used to have. And so when I got here to the ranch. Ted was like, here's the camera, um, here's record, here, here's zoom in, here's zoom out, let's go hunting. 
And this is like a <laughs> this is like a ten thousand dollar camera with a hundred buttons. I was like, I know there's more to it than that. <laughs> Put the pressure on you real quick. Yeah, exactly. But we went out that first evening I got here during that two week, you know, trial period. We went hunting and we shot a psych deer and that that episode aired on TV and every kill I've ever filmed has been on TV since. That is That's awesome. awesome. But, yeah. But so, I've had to do a lot of YouTubing and researching to figure out how that camera works. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Now, when you came to Spirit Wild Ranch, I'm guessing, I don't know the policies, but is that a gun-free zone? No, uh-uh. No, we, uh, <laughs> we loop out the rifles every once in a while. It is a, it's a high, it's a high-fence ranch. Oh, oh, I get your joke. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. I'm glad you picked it up I thought now. you were talking about no honey, no, no. rifle honey. Oh, yeah. Chris, I will Definitely say. Definitely not a gun-free zone. <laughs> Chris, ha- half the things Steve says, he'll say them, and then even I'm like, oh, I get what he's doing. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what you do is you just take both the palms and put them over your face for about five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we were actually FaceTiming like we were trying to do earlier with you, yeah, you would actually see that, but... Yeah, 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 you know that's what we should have done. We should have done the real FaceTime. Man, that'd have been great. <laughs> I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll spare you that. Uh, I'll just, <laughs> you're better off, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> but back to you know, you you recorded. You know, it sounds like you were just thrown right in. You know, you come from yeah. working on a huge ranch. You're thrown into this video, and and you've done a fantastic job. Spirit of Thanks. the Wild is, man, I love that show, and I. It's not just because I love Ted Nugent so much, but it's it's such a fun show to watch. Well, I kind of grew up as uh, the Whack Master has kind of been in my hunting camp has uh-huh. been the same. Aim small, miss small, and man. We have the we had some hats yep. embroidered at an Illinois Deer Classic that just say like Whack Master on them, and like we pass that around like like our buddy Jim Burns. I got to give a shout out to him. He called uh-huh. my dad the whack master like because my dad would just shoot does after does or he'd shoot yep. a big buck every year. <laughs> so Ted Nugent and Spirit of the Wild has kind of always been a part of me growing up in hunting camp and the camaraderie. So it's it's got a special place in my hunting yeah. camp. I'm sure you guys the same as me growing up. My dad would take my brother and I to the what was called like video etc. We had Blockbuster and video etc. But Blockbuster didn't carry any hunting videos, but we had to go to this other one, and we would always pick out some sort of Ted Nugent video or uh, the Fitzgeralds video. <laughs> oh or yeah, some of those old Monster Bucks videos. Yep, that, that was all they had back then. Yeah, was there oh, an old yeah. Philip Vanderpool back then, or is that too far back? No, he was Where, a, he was around. Um, I don't. Yep. I couldn't give you a year or anything like that. But I say hey, I'm in the same boat. I have yeah. almost every single Monster Bucks VHS. Uh, back when it was, uh, what was it? Monster? What was it? Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. White Tales of North America or something? Yeah. One mm-hmm. and two. Uh huh. Collectors' items. Maybe one <laughs> yeah, day. <right. laughs> They're collector items to me. So. Yeah, it was. It was good, but it, it was amazing, you know, watching those videos as a kid and then guiding him. And then my mom even said once, she goes, who knows, maybe you'll work for Ted one day. I, was like, <laughs> That's incredible. I laughed about it. I thought, yeah, that would be cool. But, you know, I never once never once asked him for a job, and he came to me. Isn't it amazing how, like, your passion can just put you in the right place at the yeah. right time and get, yep. get you where you want to be? Yeah, exactly. It's You know, it's a lot of hard work, but at the same time, it's a, a lot of luck. And yeah. and like when you work hard at your passion and that luck kind of falls in place. For yeah, sure. yeah. Not to not to like you know throw myself in in here, but yeah, it's it's just kind of weird. Um, 
Growing up, I was always a huge pro wrestling fan, and you know, since we started this podcast uh, two years ago at ATA, I'm, and I've told the story a couple times. I'm sitting there, and uh, you know, I get this phone call from Kurt, who's down there. I'm like, "Hey, Kurt, what's going on, man?" And uh, you know, I answer the phone, and I just hear on the other line, "Hey, is this Steve?" I go, "Yeah, who's this? Huh, what's going on, man? It's the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels." <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you know, I got to talk to him through my passion of hunting and starting this podcast, yep. and. You know, looking back, my very first concert was Kiss, Ted Nugent, and Skid Row, and I'm like, man, I'm talking to Ted Nugent's video oh, vidcam, cool. dude. It's just it's yeah. it's weird how if you stick with something that you love, sometimes, man, you'll just be able to meet incredible people who are in the same boat as you. You know what I mean? Yep. You're in the same boat as us, man. It's it's incredible. It's cool. Yeah, man. it's a it's a big small community. This outdoor industry thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah so you, definitely. You do if, if you if you put in the hard work and go to these shows, you get to meet a a lot of your you know a lot of your uh, heroes. For sure, for sure. There's a lot of stuff I still want to cover, but why we're kind of on talking about the ranch and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of critters on that ranch, and I probably don't know half of them. Um, but one thing I want to talk about is you. I'm assuming you shoot a lot of critters on the ranch. Yep. What do you do with them, and then what happens with all that meat that you guys get. Yeah, so we have we do have a load of meat. And we do have a lot of animals. It is a high finch ranch. So we have to keep the numbers managed. Otherwise, you know, overpopulation, it'll just ruin all the vegetation and to a point where it won't grow back. Sure. And so we have to, you know, constantly stay on top of them and with bow hunting, especially these these animals, Ted hunts. We hunt this property at least 200 days out of the year. And so these animals are very, very smart. And so every once in a while, we do have to whip out the rifles and then uh, kind of get even with them, take out a <laughs> few uh, take out a few uh, does. And um, we, we try not to shoot any of the bucks with rifles, but we do have to shoot some does with rifles. But this year, heck, Ted shot 120 big game animals. That's incredible. From, from from March to March, you know, that's kind of how we run our, our our deer season ends at March in like February twenty eighth. So we kind of run our deer our years from March to March. But yeah, so wow, we have a whole bunch. <laughs> and like last year, I shot uh, six deer. My wife shot two deer. So obviously, we can't eat all eat all that. Meat. Yeah, right, right. We 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 keep what we can, and we keep a whole bunch of back straps. Oh, for and sure. We go, <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the the things we do, we do keep a lot of backstraps, but we will donate all the rest. But no, we we go to we have we do the hungry uh, hunters for the hungry, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll actually pay to get a deer processed and then uh, get it sent to whoever. We don't really even know who it goes to. And then uh, we have our our taxidermist our, and our processor here in Waco, Rob Fortson's. He just has a list of people from here in town that either can't hunt anymore, you know, too elderly, can't afford it, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. We will take them in, and they pay to get it processed, but we give them the meat. Oh, that's cool. Man, that's yep. awesome. Yeah, so, it, 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 you know, the processor makes, you know, something out of it, and those people get something out of it, and, you know, we give them the deer we shot out of it. See, that's awesome. We also, we'll also turn... Like some of the all dad and stuff like that, which doesn't make the best, uh, you know, steaks or hamburger, 
but it makes a great jerky. We'll turn a bunch of animals into jerky and send them overseas to the military. Wow, that's awesome. We sent, uh, last time we did it, we sent uh, just six boxes of jerky. You know, not just, it was, the boxes were loaded full. That's Man, incredible. so you guys are eating backstrap every single day, feeding yep. the hungry, all in doing something that you love. Yeah, take that, Rachel Maddow. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I'm sure yeah. Ted would appreciate that. That that is absolutely fantastic, and yeah. you know it's got to be. There's no negative there, and if you're finding no. a negative, you're an awful person. <laughs> yeah, I, I love how your bad season be like. Yeah, I only shot you know 99 critters this year. <laughs> <laughs> but how many, it, how many animals are on the Spirit of Wild Ranch? Like, if you, um, you can estimate, uh, there's there's oh, let's see, 150 animals. You know, but you know, we didn't shoot 120 animals here. We oh shot, yeah, 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 all over the place. We do, we do a bunch of traveling, and you know, that's anything from hogs or not. Actually, that doesn't include hogs. That 120 list. <laughs> But <laughs> how many but, species uh, are on on the ranch? If you, if you well, can we have, them off, we have fallow deer, axis, all dad, black buck, oryx, gims buck, psyca, whitetail, and um, I believe that's it. Out of all like, of those critters, what's your favorite to eat? Uh, the oryx is by far the really? the best. Yeah, a lot of people brag on axis, but they haven't had oryx. But once they have oryx. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a amazing meat that you can't get enough of. The, is, the how's Spirit it Wild, oh, I was about to say the Spirit Wild Ranch, the adult petting zoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How would well, it compare no, if you had to this break? This ranch it? is by oh, far that because they're hunted from the day they're born. So they hear that four wheeler crank up, they're gone. <laughs> no, for sure. How yeah. does that critter taste like if you had to for our listeners if we put it in perspective versus like a whitetail? And I'm sure a Texas whitetail tastes much different than an Illinois whitetail mm-hmm. uh-huh. or, or a Midwestern whitetail. Where would you put that if a we'll say uh, I guess I don't know much different, so my say, scale of one to ten is rough. Go ahead though. Say say a whitetail is uh that's you know, six and a half, seven, an oryx would be a ten. Really? Yep. Then you have your uh axis which would be, you know, eight or nine. And even Psyca is a, a little bit darker of a meat, but it's still, it's up there with whitetail. Then you have your Eland. Eland's really good as well, but we don't have any of those out here. But Texas is just crawling with all sorts of exotic animals, which makes, you know, makes for a whole array of meat in your freezer. Well, why Texas? Why why do you see these, like, exotic-type ranches in Texas? What's What's... Texas has such a, a wide range of uh, uh, terrain and weather that it's actually a lot like Africa and a lot like these other countries where these animals are coming from. Mm-hmm. So it's really it's no change to them. It's it's the same um, same living, just a just different continent. <laughs> so they they can do really well out here. There's a lot of natural vegetation, a lot of protein, a lot right. of grasses. And uh, they can just thrive, and they're they're you know they're they're worth more here. Mm-hmm. That's why hunters, you know, that's why we're bringing the oryx back. That's why there's more oryx in Texas than anywhere else in the world. There's more black buck here. There's more all dad here. There's more pure David here because there's right. a they're they're worth something here. And in their countries where they come from, they're not really worth anything. 
Right, which is, is super interesting, and that's why like there's a lot of poaching and stuff. And, and as far yep. as I'm aware, to my knowledge, in in Africa, on the, and you got to put a value on animals to protect them, essentially. Exactly. And, yeah. It does, sometimes it doesn't make sense to the anti hunters, but yeah, they're they're you you have to hunt them almost to make them survive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah which which sounds weird, but it's you know absolutely correct. Right. Well, it's weird. For, People for are like, a while, our Simbator horned orcs here in Texas, the they made them illegal to hunt. And it's the first year I started working here on Spirit Wild Ranch. And because they made them illegal to hunt, no one wanted to buy them. No one wanted to raise them because you couldn't even no no one wanted to buy them, so you couldn't even sell them off your property. Right. Wow. So they're just they reproduce pretty fast. So they're growing and growing, and um you can't do anything with them. So people, you know, just under the table started getting rid of them mm-hmm. and they saw the numbers dropping and dropping and dropping. And finally it made sense to them that, okay, we have to make these a valuable source. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, they're going to go extinct in Texas too. It's super interesting. So there's one thing I know there's, and, and Chris, hear me out here. There's probably some listeners here that are like, I have no interest in doing any type of those hunts in Texas. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a natural thing. And I've hunt, I grew up hunting with some guys that kind of the same thing. Like where I'm like, yeah, I'd love to go to Texas and, and, and shoot some of this exotic game. Why the uh-huh. hell would you want to do that? And I'm like, well, you know, it, it's cool. Can you kind of explain to them like why it's a good thing? And maybe kind of it, maybe if you have something you can put out to them to kind of change their perspective on this type of hunting. And well, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and can I piggyback on that? Um, are these animals? Do they let these animals just free range, or can you only hunt them in high fence areas? Um, it's both. It's mainly high fence, but a lot of the hill country, um, it's real flood zone area. So the floods take out fences all the time, and there's a whole bunch of free range exotics. If you have, uh, in fact, if you have free range, open range land in the hill country, you could have anything from elan to elk to kudu to warthogs. You could have anything come on to your property wow. and which which is would be amazing <laughs> yeah exactly imagine chicken yeah. trail cams that oh my god yep. there's a big old bull yeah, elk <laughs> our buddy uh jack brittingham here in texas i'm uh, very familiar with jack yep he has some warthogs on his property and he even has he has a high fence and then about 10 yards in he has another high fence as a perimeter fence <laughs> but these warthogs are just diggers and they've dug right under his fence and there, you see a lot of posts on Facebook about wild warthogs in Texas. Well, those, yeah, those are all just coming from Jack Brittingham's property. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But so, um, what would you say no, to those guys it, that are kind of like have a different outlook on that type of hunting? Yeah, I mean. there's a lot of people who are against high fence hunting, and they're only really ag- against it because they haven't done it. Mm-hmm. We have um. If you could just get someone who is an anti-high-fence hunter to go hunt a high-fence, they will see that more than likely or not, it's actually harder to hunt a deer in a high-fence because that is, say, you know, needless, their home. Mm-hmm. And they know everything about their home because mm-hmm. that's that's where they live and that's where they're staying. So it's like if you walk into your house and someone is standing on your kitchen table, you're going to notice it. Right. So these deer notice every little thing that is moved or changed or done differently. And there are some ranches that are easier to hunt than others, but 
95% of them are real, you know, hunting where you have to go and you may not get anything or you may, you know, hunt for seven days with a bow and then have to pull out the rifle to get, get it done or, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's a, it, it is tough. And we have kept track, Ted and I, on our hunting trips. We are a lot more successful on open range deer than we are on high fence deer. Super interesting. I feel like most people have the the perception that high fence hunting is. I I sat in my stand and I watched the guy let it out of a pen. It's kind of yeah, like no, yeah. And that's the guys who give it bad names, right? Because you know that does exist and it is out there. But for a real hunter and a real a real hunter is not going to do that, yeah. right? I mean, you if know, you... that's 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 your weekend, you know, maybe millionaire guy who's just going out. And just to put a deer on his wall, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. for us real hunters, that's not hunting. That's not doing it right. And so we're not going to go to those ranches anyways, but, but just because of that one bad apple, it gives high fence hunting a bad name. For yeah. Sure. And if you but, think about it, you know, because everything is bigger in Texas and you're talking about these ranches, you know, if it's like a high fence, that could be like, you know, 30,000 acres. Exactly. You know, you, you really break that down. That could be as, as big as, a deer's you know um right or, yeah. and those things yeah. th- their territory would be anyway even more so it's fair to yeah, say that the majority like, of the- i think a an eight thousand acre you no know, ranch is more than a deer will ever cover in his life right yeah, yeah like he'll never see that fence that area yeah yeah think about life uh 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 finds a way that's a jurassic park yeah. reference <laughs> I have no idea. Thank you for clarifying. No, no I'm problem. glad you didn't just throw that out there and just let it like. No, simmer. yeah, no, no. <laughs> we did a we did a deer capture study when I was in college. We caught a lot of deer and we uh, radio collared them to find out where they went and how far they went and what their travel patterns were. And yeah, most of them wouldn't go within you know two miles of their home ground. Really, and we we caught some. Took them 13 miles on the whole other side of Kingsville, the, the the town with the college. Dropped them off on the other side of town, out in the brush, and every one of them made their way back except for one. They wow. all went back to their home grounds. That's he, incredible. He took Lyft instead of Uber, so take Uber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not <sponsored> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he found he found a girlfriend or something. I don't know what happened to that guy. But that's gonna, super interesting. They find their home range after moving them out of it. Essentially. Yeah, we're going to have to do a whole podcast. If you, since you brought that up, we're going to have to do a whole podcast on that radio collar because that is something that I'm so interested in. Uh, I've seen a couple of studies and things, uh-huh. but that blows my mind. You know, when you can, you know, radio collar a bunch of deer and just see where they go. Yeah, I love when they do with with white sharks too. Uh, it, it, it's a it's amazing to see their patterns and what they do, and then the the travel periods during the rut and not the rut. You know, they can go from uh you know walking a mile a day to walking ten miles a day just in circles. <laughs> That's crazy. Man, wonder what makes them want to do that. Yep, yep, yeah. And then, and then after, I think they're all timed. Those radio collars, or at least most of them, the ones we dealt with, they all have little explosives in them. So after about a year, uh, the little the little explosive will go off and pops the collar off of them, so it doesn't choke them out or anything like that in the long run. <laughs> no, that's incredible. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. I guess you yeah. never think about that. You know, when they so is is there ever an issue? This is just a real quick side side note. 
you know, when the rut's happening, you know, a lot of a lot of deer, their neck will get like bigger. Do you, when you put the collar on, you know, say you put them on like a you know two and a half year old, one and a half. Uh-huh. Year old, do you give them? Is there a, enough yeah. room to give them, or what? Uh, yeah, yeah how, you, you give them. You give them that space for sure on the bucks. How much, because, how much yeah, room is that? Their, their necks do poof up. <laughs> yeah, I, typically, what do you give them? Yeah, because I'm just kind of curious. This is not really that uh, important. No, just not enough to slide your hand, you know, in between. You don't want to give them enough because they're not coming off. If because their jawline and their antlers, you know, they're yeah. not getting it off. Mm-hmm. So you can really put it as loose as you want, but you don't want it real loose. So say it gets hung up on a branch. You know, mm. you don't want any of that possibility. So you want it somewhat tight, but a deer's neck isn't going to swell up, you know, For another sure. 10 inches in diameter. Yeah, I got Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of it stuff I want to cover bit. here. Um, and it's, we're getting, I have so many questions about the like exotic type species because mm-hmm. I just don't know uh-huh. anything about it. Um, one thing I want to talk about is how do you just, you can cover this quickly if you can. If not, we can cover it again in another episode, whatever you want to do. Um, how do you, mm-hmm. How do you manage your management of all the different species? Oh, well, we try to keep a self-sustaining herd of animals out here. And because it is high fence, you do have the risk of uh, inbreeding. Mm-hmm. And so we try to bring in at least a couple males or a couple females every couple years. You know, maybe even just one new animal a year. That's just enough to change it up. But so we keep like on this property, we only only have uh, say twenty five black buck. We have uh, sixteen oryx. We have about uh, fifty whitetail. But we, um, you just know by you looking at the browse line, you look at how much um, these animals eat and how much protein they're eating. If they're eating a whole bunch of protein, you know there's probably a good chance that there's too many animals but you just uh we'll shoot a couple animals of every species every year and shoot probably about 10 whitetail bucks every year about 15 whitetail does every year and we just do uh we do spotlight counts and survey counts and uh, game camera counts to try to figure out exactly how, how many animals we have on the property interesting yeah it seems like a ton of work from the outside yeah yeah, it, it's year round with the uh, with the exotics because right now the the axis are hard horned, and so they're actually huntable right now. And um, all the like the fallow are having babies, the black buck are having babies. So right now we don't want to do any management on them just in case they do have a little one out there. Yeah, right. For but sure. the axis this time of the year we can hunt them because they're they're going at it right now here about July. They'll it will be their rut. It's nuts. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, let's talk about um, hunting with your wife, Amanda, getting her into it and uh, kind of how that, that has gone along. Yeah, man, she's a she's a killer, that's for sure. <laughs> I, maybe I should have introduced her into it. She's taking all my kills now. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. Well, hey, she, she yeah. slayed the, no, the biggest no, buck of them a, all, Chris Helms. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a blast having her because, you know, I don't have – you know, a lot of people have to leave their wives or their families to go hunting. And I, I don't have to leave, you know, my wife as I go hunting because I can take her with me and she enjoys it. Well, there you go. Yeah. But we, we, uh, I got her, I introduced her to it when I was on the Kennedy. We met in South Texas 
And so I took her out there, and there's a lot of big deer and a lot of big turkeys and a lot of hogs. So it's a it's a neat place to go just to even watch animals. Mm-hmm. And so we would go. I would do a whole bunch of surveys during the summer and uh, uh, spotting, you know, um, trying to figure out where the big bucks are. So we would just go and sit a lot, just watch animals. And she always had a good time with that. Then I, at the end of the year, I always got at least a buck tag or maybe two to go hunting. And I had been watching this buck like the last two or three years. It was a giant eight point. You know, for, for me, it was a giant eight point. It's a 140 inch eight point. Big eight point. Oh, that's a huge yeah. eight point. But yeah. this, this 36,000 acres, it was all the way in the back. And every time I had hunters, uh, no one really wanted to go back there. It was a, it was a corporate type ranch. So I took a bunch of corporate guys hunting. Oh, good. Yeah. Save that yeah. for the, for the employee, employee swing yeah. right there. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. They, they enjoyed it. But they, you know, they always got big bucks because I always knew where they were and got them on it and they had a good time. But there was just one buck who, like I said, no one ever wanted to go hunt out there. So eventually when I finally got this tag, I was like, all right, I'm going to go hunt this deer. But he had disappeared um, early December and now it's February. I was like, well, if if he shows up, this is where he's going to be. I said, I got a whole month to hunt. Uh, we'll just wait him out and maybe he'll start coming back. And so we, me and my, uh, girlfriend at the time, we went and sat in the stand and she had brought all sorts of snacks and cookies and drinks and, you know, made a, uh, made it a, made it a picnic. And we went, you know, all the, all the deer supplements, uh, you know, um, swamp donkey and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all these other things. We, we went to Academy or, uh, outdoor store and, bought a whole bunch and i just was letting her have you know the go at it she wanted to go put it all out so i let her go put it all out and pile up acorns and but but luck have it that night that big buck showed up and i it was i shot it with my rifle and he died right there and i was like man you don't know i i promise you hunting isn't this easy <laughs> yeah <laughs> most times you have to go more than once to go shoot a big buck like this that and is she, funny. She's like, oh yeah, sure, you know, whatever. <laughs> Man, I, that's hilarious. But, you're gonna be like, no, really, it's tough. I, yeah. I suffer out here yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Honestly, did, you know, this how did, deer, we've been watching this deer for three years. No one's ever killed it. <laughs> <laughs> how did you guys meet? I mean, was it that easy? Did you did you tell her as soon as she's like? Because I assume she asked you out because you're such a stud. Yeah, yeah. Of you know, course, you tell her, yes. you you just don't meet guys like me all the time. No, yeah. Uh-huh. No, she's actually uh she's a Orange County, California girl. She grew up in a beach town in California. And um then her dad uh she grew up on Camp Pendleton. Uh, her dad's a Marine and he retired from the Marine Corps and then moved the Corpus Christi here in Texas. Hmm. And it was when she was 19, so she could either stay and be on her own or move with her family cuz she has a younger brother and sister. So she decided to move with her family to Corpus because her her family told her that it was the same as San Clemente, which is totally the opposite. <laughs> everyone, everyone there is either loaded with a Starbucks card in Orange County yeah. or uh, something yeah. else. You got Corpus. a nice, pretty blue, white sand beach in San Clemente, and then you got a little brown beach in Corpus. But. Yeah, Corpus Christi, man. Everyone's loaded with a, with a hopefully a Kimber. Or a, <laughs> yeah. Probably yeah. not a high point. Uh, Texas got yeah. a lot of money. No, so we, we, met, uh, we had a mutual friend, Kathy, who introduced us 
Um, Kathy was one of my friends and then ended up meeting Amanda and Corpus and Corpus and Kingsville were about 45 minutes apart. So I was having a get together at my apartment one night and, uh, Amanda came over and she's been stuck with me ever since. Oh, it was a done deal, right? <laughs> she, she yeah. got, no, she got in her shooting her range. Yeah. It, no, it I hear you. It took her about a year for her to finally commit to me. <laughs> I saw your Instagram once and I was committed. I don't know what she's thinking. Yeah. Them Orange Wait, County uh, girls, their standards are so high, but she made the right choice. Yeah. She wanted to go back to California. Then I convinced her Texas was better. Hey, now she lives in Ted Nugent Ranch. Ted Nugent Ranch. <laughs> imagine that. Imagine yeah. that. Like, <laughs> I wonder what some of her uh, old friends in Orange County are thinking. You live with exactly. who? Oh, yeah. we, we've converted a few of them. Some hey. of them are like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you do that to a deer. And now they're, oh man, that's a great buck. <laughs> I assume funny. Ted Nugent is literally Satan to people in Orange County. No, you know what's funny? Yeah. Chris, I got to tell this story very, very fast. A guy I work what's with is a, is a liberal. He's deep into the liberal game. And I don't even know what the whole liberal game is about because I don't dabble. Well, but, no um, one does. His name's a big, big shout out to Kevin Judge. We give him a shout out here. Uh, Kevin, we love you. Every, he's just so liberal, it hurts me. And so what I do is every time I play music on my phone, I just rip Stranglehold as loud as it, as loud as it will go. And he's just like, oh, man, why do you got to play that? I just, everything Ted Nugent, I just play it just, just to get at him because he's so liberal that you can smell it on him. Yeah. Okay, imagine me. I wake up every morning. I'm, 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 I'm thinking about marrying this Canadian liberal. The only reason uh-huh. I'll marry her is if... She lets me play Stranglehold right before the whole thing, the whole thing right before we have our first kiss. So, like, yeah, there was a time where I was playing that every single morning. And then to be followed by Wango Tango, I'm like, yep. hey, you should hear more songs because, like, the first one was awesome. The second one was great. But, you know, <laughs> he always says he writes the world's greatest love songs. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, but uh, I had I had to shout old Kevin Judge out for that. And uh, I just I play the Ted Nugent every day at work to uh, just love it. Let him feel it a little bit, you know. Um, yeah, let's yeah. transition. Let's... You got lucky. You got you got the pretty girl that's into hunting now. Well, you... she got lucky. Yeah. Well, yeah. However yeah, you want to yeah, look so at it. We got that first deer, and that first night after shooting that deer, she was in the camp house, and she came out while I was skinning it and quartering it. She was like, "Oh my gosh, that's so gross!" And she went back inside real quick. And now, uh, now then a little bit down the road, we moved here to, to Spirit Wild Ranch and she sees how much fun we're having with it. She sees it's more than just killing. It's a atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, uh, the camaraderie of all the hunters getting around the campfire and just hanging out and having a good time. And she's, so she's, you know, seeing this and she sees the excitement I get when I kill something. Cause she has, uh, since then videoed me on a couple hunts and she's been with Ted. She's even helped Ted run the camera a couple times. Vidcam girl. Yeah. Yep. So I would go film Shemaine and Amanda would go help with Ted. But, uh, so she decided, she goes, all right, I want to, I want to do this. So we're, well, so we had to shoot a couple all dead here on the property and it took us 13 days morning, morning and night. We hunted every day, hunted every day. They just kept moving on us. They weren't cooperating like most animals do. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they, she, the all dad finally came in and she, you know, worked her butt off for it. And finally, she got it with a crossbow and it just ran, you know, 60, 70 yards and fell over dead. And it was like most new hunters, it's it's exciting, but it's also kind of sad because you're taking something's life. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, it it was, you know, she was excited about it. That's the main thing. 
Right. So she right. saw the excitement. And so then from there we went and, uh, she, she was still really interested in it. So she wanted to start hunting whitetail. So I had her, you know, she was helping me with trail cameras, helping me with food plots and set up new stands. And, and we got a new stand set up and there were several shooter bucks at the beginning of the year showing up during the summer. But then of course deer season starts and poof, they all disappear. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So we went, we headed to a, another ranch, the Johnson Nato five ranch in uh, Kerrville, Texas. And, uh, Dennis allowed her and I to come hunt over there. And he invited us, said, Oh, yeah, we got a couple, uh, some management deer to shoot. So I'm thinking, you know, six points, seven points, eight points. Right. You know, whatever it may be. And I'm just happy to go out to a new place and go hunt and enjoy it. And so it's going to be a good time. So he told us any mainframe nine point can be shot. It can have kickers, drop tines, whatever it is. Wow. Yeah, and we're like, whoa, whoa, okay. Then he's like, I got one. There's a big buck. He goes, if he hasn't seen him in about two weeks, but if he shows up, he's going to show up at this spot. He's about 170 inch deer with short tines. He goes, he should be bigger. He should have bigger tines and you know things like that. <laughs> you never so, hear that. 170 no, uh, inch deer so, with short tines. Yeah, he should be yeah. bigger though. You know? <laughs> yeah, Lord. he has bigger deer out there. So for this, you know, seven year old deer, he's not getting any better. So he's like, let's go ahead. And if he goes, wait him out. And he goes, you got a while. You don't have a date to go back home. Just wait him out. So I went and I, luckily enough, that first evening he came in and uh, it was just recently here on TV, I think last week or two weeks ago. But I ended up hitting a little briar when I shot. I was shooting out of um, a nature blind and there was a little green thorny briar coming down. I hit that briar and it slung my arrow high and I spined him, but he dropped in his tracks. And so, uh, you know, I, I put another arrow in, in him and finished him off. But it was it was amazing. But she saw that. And then it was her turn to hunt. And she loves the crossbow right now. And uh, it took us a couple more tries, a couple more days. But then this giant 13-point buck came out that we were kind of going after. But we were hoping he would show up. But there was other options available. Mm-hmm. And so she smoked him and made a great shot on him. And now, now she's just a, a hunting machine. She, we came back to Spiritwild Ranch that week, and sure enough, one of those big bucks that we were going at, we wanted to go after all summer, showed up, and she got a big nine point. Like the same week, she shot her big thirteen point. Two in one week. Good lord. Yeah, yeah. She, she, uh, she did good. And then this this last year's uh, deer season, what'd she get? She got another like a big eleven point. It was it was great. Nice man. Good lord, yeah. I, I should marry her. Too bad you're already. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> then heck, this summer she she shot a a broken horned oryx we had out here. Man, we have to get her on yeah. a podcast, man. If she'd be up for that, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. She has more kills than a. A lot of grown men. Well, hey, I'll tell you what, though. You probably don't want to let her talk to the two smoothest talking dudes in Mercer County, Illinois. Hey, cause, hey, uh, hey, hey, easy, easy, easy. She, she'll be living in Sherrard, Illinois, where the average property taxes will give you money. Oh, no. Uh-uh. If she would be down for a podcast, it'd be cool to talk to her about some of her experiences and stuff. Absolutely. And, and get the real skinny yeah, on what it's like to be married to you, Chris. Oh, you don't want to ask her that question. <laughs> it's a job. That's her job. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Let's talk about some of your favorite hunts that you've done. Mm-hmm. Well, man, uh, there's a, you know they're all your favorite, but I guess the one which is more of a 
a once in a lifetime opportunity hunt and just a crazy adventure would be a my Alaskan brown bear. Hey, did you, you said brown bear? Yeah, we got a big nine and a half foot Alaskan brown bear. Oh man, that's one of the ultimate <laughs> hunts in North Dude. America. Yep, it, it's a it was amazing because I got surprised with the tags. I was going Ted and his uh, three sons, Toby, Fleetwood, and Rocco. I love Rocco. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's an awesome guy. And then man, Fleetwood, Fleetwood just getting into hunting, but the last couple of years he's been a a killer, and Toby's been a as a hunter his whole life mm-hmm. but so you know we all went we flew out to alaska and then when we got there ted surprised me with uh we all could possibly shoot five bears we had two brown bear tags and three black bear tags a piece wow so Whew. yeah we were in unit like 16b which is a unit in uh alaska where they're overpopulated with bears and you could actually hunt brown bears over bait or grizzly bears over bait if they came into your black bear bait. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah, so it, it was exciting. We had, you know, but we had we ended up having to go early because Ted had to play uh, a concert in Sweden. So we went <laughs> earlier than scheduled and the fish weren't up river yet. So it was it was real slow hunting and I could only hunt the 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 uh, what what do you call it? The, um Oh, I forget. You know, but the way I could get tags was I could only hunt in the morning mm-hmm. while everyone else slept in. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Because yeah. the hunting, you know, bear hunting is mostly an evening thing. So I would go out with Ted and we would sit from noon to midnight because it never really got dark. It just got dusk. Yeah, yeah. You always forget about that. That's nuts. Yeah. So we, we you know, hunt. 10, 12 hours, and it will be nothing. Then when I would, you would get back to the camp house about one thirty after taking the boat back, and then I would sleep from about one thirty to three, and then we would get up at three and go hunting again because then it's just kind of getting bright enough again to actually be able to hunt well. Uh-huh. And so I'm I'm taking Ted's bow because I didn't know you know I was going to be hunting, so I'm hunting with Ted's bow, and we we shoot the same setup. And so I'm going, I would actually, I would, I would like 60, at least, at least like a 60 pounds if I'm going to go shoot a big grizzly, but Ted liked the 50 pounds. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, why? I was like, Ted, you sure this can kill a big bear? <laughs> yeah. I've done it before. Well, the so, nude um, says so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, we know this went on for about nine days of doing this crazy, uh, getting no sleep and then hunting and, and we'd go out, get no sleep. But we never really saw any bears. Toby got a, a black bear. And then the last evening of the hunt, Ted Ted just had his double knee surgery. And we had, like the month before we went to Alaska. And so he was he was hurting pretty good. And he said, you know what, Chris, you can go ahead and just go hunting this evening. I'm going to take it easy because we're leaving tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's fine with me. Good deal. And, I got to go yeah, play so, stranglehold in front of a bunch of blondes. So go ahead and take this <laughs> yeah. hunt. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Tough life, tough life. <laughs> but, <laughs> but so I borrowed, I borrowed the guide, the owner, uh, Cliff. There at Triple uh, C Outfitters. I borrowed his rifle because if I had to go shoot a three hundred, four hundred yard shot, I was gonna do it because I mm. I don't know if I'll ever be able to go back to Alaska and go hunt brown bears or grizzly bears. And the, sure. the thing is well, where we were at on the Yetna River, the 
the left side of the river is brown bears. The right side of the river is grizzly bears. It's just a line in the sand. Uh Weird. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I wanted to go to this one spot where we had trail cameras of this big bear, but Toby had mentioned that he wanted to go there. So I said, that's fine with me. I'm just the tag along here. I'll go to another spot. Mm -hmm. So I went to another spot and uh, sat there for, I think it was about eight hours. And all of a sudden, I thought, I, you know, you're kind of daydreaming. You're sitting there twiddling with twigs and grass and stuff like that, just wasting time. There's no cell service, so you can't play on your phone. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is, right? But I look up, and I swear I see this bear looking right at me. And it's just, you know, you picture a bear face looking at you, that's what it was. Right. And the time I, I, I reached down, grabbed the rifle, put it back on the shooting sticks, I couldn't see there was no bear in sight. I, there was nothing. I told the guide that was, was who was with me, uh, who was also filming, I said, did you see him? He goes, no, uh-uh. No, I never saw him. So I'm thinking I'm hallucinating this whole time. I'm like, well, <laughs> this, this trip is getting long. <laughs> so, so it got about, it was like 11, it was 11.50. I looked at my watch. At night? And yeah, 11.50 yeah, uh, p.m. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, 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 yeah. I told the guide, uh, I said, let's go, man. This this is it. I said, uh, I said, I've had a good time. This has been fun. But, you know, let's get out of here. He goes, let's give it 15 more minutes. I said, okay. I said, 15 more minutes. It's kind of starting to drizzle. And because it was cloudy, it was starting to get dark. And so we waited in Alaska as long as you can shoot with, uh, as long as you can shoot, you can shoot. You can't use artificial light. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting there and I look at my watch and it's 12.05. So I'm looking up. I'm glancing up to tell him, let's go. And here comes this giant bear from my right at 20, 22 steps. Hello, oh my, my you know, like I said, we, we could, uh, we could hunt uh, these bears over bait. So he's coming in right into the bait at 20 yards, which is normally a bow setup. Uh-huh. And so I'm kicking myself for not having my bow, but I'm also glad when the giant bear comes out that I have a rifle in my hands. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. So, uh, yeah. So I, at 22 yards, he's sitting there, and I smoked him right through the shoulder. He, he roared up real big, and uh, went, he kind of ran a little bit, and we lost him behind some big knobs. And, you know, with the whitetail, I normally give a whitetail 15, 20, sometimes 30 minutes for it. This guide was like, I shot, and he was like, let's go get him. <laughs> Holy I was like, are yeah. you crazy? Like right away? He goes, yeah. Yeah, the bear ran away, and uh, he's telling me, let's go get him. Okay, man, you're the you're the yeah, boss. Here. You're the man. <laughs> so, yep. So, but sure enough, uh, those big knobs that were kind of covering the area, he he just ran about twenty yards and fell behind one of those knobs. But it it was a it was an awesome experience, and like I have him, I, I'm going to have to now buy my houses based on this big brown bear rug I have. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> that's a good problem to have. Yeah, and it's yeah. yeah I got him. I got him up on. Luckily enough, I have a. Uh, uh, what do you call them? Vaulted ceiling, so I have them on a big wall on my house. There you go. That's yeah, funny. That's what just, I'm shopping for next, vaulted ceiling. <laughs> it's just nuts to think <laughs> about, you know, how how that hunting season changes. Yeah, you're in the morning. You're you're shooting a bear at 11.50 at night. Yeah. People think it should be dark, but those are the pe- same people who think that the earth is round, so this clarifies <laughs> that the earth is flat. <laughs> just throwing it's it bad. out there. Yeah. <laughs> <I do. laughs> 
What would our podcast be without a flat Earth reference? That's, that's uh, hey, you started that's it. That's how we get cell signal, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it goes, you know, it doesn't go around. You know, yeah, it goes you can't, flat. You can't, have, you can't have signals go in a circle. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> God, the sarcasm is killing me inside. Oh, it. it's killing me inside, Smalls. Um, a couple oh, what, of the- sar- sarcasm. <laughs> well, I don't even know what that really is. Um, <laughs> yeah. A couple of things that I'm curious about. I think we had a couple of listeners uh, shoot in some questions. Um, one, I want to talk about some hunts that you're going to do in the future here with Ted. But one thing I, I have to cover is, have you heard any like noteworthy, I mean, you don't have to cover the whole story type of thing, any Fred Bear stories from Uncle Ted? Oh, yeah, man. There's a lot of them. He started hunting with them uh, when he was really, he started uh, visiting Fred Bear as a kid. Him and his dad Ted and his dad would go up to Grayling, Michigan every year where Fred Bear had his shop. And at the time, Ted didn't really know who Fred Bear was. He just knew, you know, him and his dad wants to go see him every year. Mm-hmm. And so a couple years went by and Ted started recognizing that this was the same guy he's seen on these magazine covers with these, you know, polar bears and brown bears and, you know, caribou and mm-hmm. all these amazing adventures. So he started putting it together who this Fred Bear guy was. And so as Ted grew up and started his, he started playing rock and roll when he was 11 years old, oh, started yeah. doing concerts and all these crazy things. He, he's kind of took it easy on doing the Grayling trip every year to go see Ted, but he still, I mean, to go see Fred, but he still did his hunting. And then he started catching back up with Ted in his rock and roll days and he would uh as they would get together a lot of people back then were you know you Ted you know hunting wasn't right you shouldn't carry a gun you know it was all anti-hunting anti-second amendment mm-hmm. all this and that and Ted has been pro that his whole life but as Ted and Fred became good friends Fred actually told Ted one time he goes Man, all these young people keep coming up to me asking if I know Ted Nugent. Because it used to be they would ask me about hunting trips. Now they just keep asking me about Ted Nugent. You know that young boy that used to be part of the Amboy Dukes? Man, he's yeah. really doing something. Yeah. The Amboy Dukes albums, by the way, for you guys who don't know, I used to work at a record store, so I got the inside scoop. Um, those are records worth checking out, too, because there was some cool stuff that they were doing. Side note. Yeah, they... They did uh, world record sales, and it, mm-hmm. they, that was great music. I but love so, it. So, uh, yeah, so they uh, they hunted together for several years, and I think Ted went on Fred Bear's last ever hunt in 1987. That's incredible. Yeah, and, uh, and of course, shortly after that, the Fred Bear song was born. Yeah, I love that one. I used to listen to that song, I mean, and I still do from time to time before I go hunting every morning. Oh, it's it, yeah. it's fantastic. And I have something fr- really magical about it. Were you born yeah. when that song came out? I wasn't. I was, I was born in 89. Kurt, I was, was 90. 90? Well, I was 87. 87. Oh, yeah. It, perfect, man. It was meant to be. <laughs> it was yeah. meant to be. Well, I, yeah. uh, I, I'm i going to get a Fred Bear tattoo, man. He's 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 the legend. He is the yeah. legend. There's mm. still several of those northern states. That uh, Fred Bear is the number one requested song there is, you know, because of that opening morning and all the all throughout deer season, <laughs> everyone just requesting some Fred Bear. 
Yeah, is, and that's the thing. If you don't know who Fred Bear is, I mean, obviously all our listeners do. I hope. Oh man, you better check yourself if you yeah. don't. But it's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's he's just so legendary, and it's funny people who don't bow hunt or whatever. And like I know that question. Like I'm gonna get that. There's that famous image of Fred Bear. We all know what I'm talking about. It's uh, I, I can't mm-hmm. explain it, but if you see it, you'd know it. Fred uh, Hulk Hogan is the Fred Bear of the wrestling world. Yeah. How's that sound? <laughs> so there's a certain image that I want to get tattooed of kind of like a portrait style of Fred Bear. And uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, non-hunters that are going to look at me like, what's that? And there's a lot of people that are going to hunt. They're going to come up and be like, oh, I know exactly I feel what that it. is. Yeah. I'm feeling it. But, uh, that, that picture with him and his hat. Kind of looking, yep, looking exa- off in the distance. Yep, what's exactly. it called? That's a fedora. It's not a uh, pork pie. Is the other one? It's a fedora, right? No, it's not a fedora. It's no, like it's a, a. Don't ever put that on Fred Bear. It's I a, will not. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm asking. Uh, but I don't know what it is. But I've, his hat is at the Pope and Young Museum and uh, mm-hmm. near Chatfield, Minnesota. That's awesome. Uh, uh, no, no, yeah, it is Chatfield, Minnesota, I believe, right near Rochelle. I might okay. be at the, big, at the big bash pro shop there. No, I thought I think it doesn't the Pope and Young Club Museum have a have one of his hats. Oh, I'm not sure. Probably. I thought they did in their museum. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I saw it there. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, but another another cool Fred Bear. You know, as close as I guess I could get to being with him is we went to Ted and I here last two years ago, three years ago. We went to Dick and Carol Mocks out there at Plum Creek in Nebraska. Mm. And that's where Fred Bear used to go every year and go hunting. And him and, uh, of course, Ted and then Glenn St. Charles and yeah, from Pope Earl Young. and uh, yeah. Ann Hoyt, Dick Latimer. They all used to go to this uh, cabin out in the woods. Mm-hmm. And Dick Dick Mock was one of the, uh, Fred Bear's first investors and helped uh, Fred Bear grow the bear bow company and Dick is still alive. Dick is still around and he's, he's got more, more memories and more stories and than you could put in your memory box. But there's, it's really neat going in this cabin because there's just bunk beds on the wall, but they all have curtains and on all the curtains, uh, Fred and uh, Dick Latimer and Glenn St. Charles and stuff would write the stories and the dates of what happened and when they were there. Wow. And so to, and so to go sleep in this camp house for a couple of days where all these historic bow hunters have, yeah, legends have stayed. It was a really amazing, you know, it will really, you know, play with your heart while you're in there. It really gets you going. Yeah. Now, if I'm not mistaken, there's a video of that guy cooking breakfast for Uncle Ted, right? Yeah. Yep. yep okay. Yeah. I filmed that uh, when we were there. That is, yeah, that is incredible. And the dude's such an old boy, and he like you look around that that cabin, and you're like, that is if you were ever gonna want to bow hunt in a classic place, that's uh-huh. where you go. They need to change nothing from that. Nope, mm-hmm. they didn't. It's all the same stuff. It's the Wrigley Field of bow hunting. <laughs> yeah, is what yep. it is. And, you know, and we didn't get anything on the trip. We didn't even get close to getting anything. Who on cares the trip. at that but point? But just just doing that, that was a. That was amazing. It's something I'll never forget. That is awesome, man. That is incredible. Yeah. Especially like I'm I'm a measure for Pope and Young and I've been a member of the Pope and Young Club for a while now and uh-huh. you know uh just hearing like Glenn St. Charles hunted there and, and, and that's awesome. That's it's Yeah. 
And then, then they had, like I said, they had those curtains on the wall where everyone would sign it. And then I got to go sign it right next to all their names to show I was there. So Yeah, that's incredible. Hey, there you go, Midcam, dude. Have, have my name on that part of history. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah. What what do you think is the the biggest piece of advice you've taken either in life or hunting or whatever it may be from from Ted Nugent or or any other legendary archer, bow hunter, hunter in general? Um you know, you just just always there's just the main rules of bow hunting. You know, I I, I take it for granted that everyone knows it, but I know they don't because we go to all these ranches and all these different states and different farms and different things like that where the setups are just real bad and mm-hmm. you're never going to get that big buck if the setup is bad. You always got to have you know, the wind in your face, the sun setting behind you. You, know, you got to shoot off your left shoulder. You have to just be scent free. You got to be silent. You got to know which way you're coming in from. You know, plan out everything. That's just the biggest thing. I've, I've really... I've always known it, but working with Ted, that's just what we push and push and push. And all these places we go to, some people are hard-headed and don't want to take it in. But then a lot of people are will listen and take it and fix their stands. And next time we come back, it's one of the best hunting places we've ever gone. Mm-hmm. Let you know that kind of advice. Work your butt off. You know, don't give up. And if like this year, last year I shot six white tail bucks and i shot several of them with my bow this year i've shot zero not because i didn't try not because i didn't have the opportunity but i passed some up mm-hmm. and waited for the bigger guys but you can't give up either you know you gotta right. just keep on going and i'll get my revenge next year well that's yeah, what, there you go. That's shoot, what, shoot 12 that's <laughs> what made success so sweet man if you work hard and you, and you come up with nothing and then you finally make it happen eventually it's uh that's what makes you appreciate things, man. Dude, yep. you know, failures are the best thing that can ever happen in your life. You know, I, and it, it, it sucks to live every day and, you know, you fail at something, you fail at something, but it's just making you such a better person. Everything that you fail at means yeah. that you're getting better at it. So yeah. for any of the... The guys out there that are trying to get into bow hunting, man, maybe you missed the buck of a lifetime. Well, guess what? The next time that buck comes around, or if it's a better buck, you already yeah. learned from your mistakes. Well, failing is a part of bow hunting, man. That's just part oh, of Oh, for sure. Dude, yeah. If you succeed at bow hunting every time, you're either Chris Helms or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Speaking of advice. Oh, here you, you go. To, you don't have to go shoot a 70-pound bow. You know, yeah. Ted, Ted shoots everything with 45 pounds, and people ask him all the time, can you actually do stuff with that? Yeah, he's got 120 animals to prove of it this year. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. And, oh, it's amazing. Shemaine shoots 35 pounds, and she's killed kudu and zebra and wildebeest. And Shemaine, with that lightweight bow, man, you can just hold it so so steady. You're like, you know, and if you can shoot – 80 pounds without a, you know, care in the world, go for it. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're struggling, if you have to do the, you know, raise your arm up to, to get it drawn back, the high draw, anything mm-hmm. like that, lower that poundage, go get a, go, my bow now is maxed out at 60 pounds. Not cause I can't draw back 70, but 60 pounds has just made me that much better of a shot. And for sure. I can, you know, it's not, I, I go back and shoot at 70 yards and it's not, you don't have to have 70, 80 pounds to be able to shoot 70 yards. 
Well, that, that's why we shoot. Advice. That's why we shoot elite um, because of yeah. that back wall. Uh, you know, I shoot pulling, sixty-five pounds. Collar good there. I, I shoot sixty-five pounds. You pull an elite back, you feel like nothing's there. Yeah, that, yeah. That's you get, why what, we love like it. Like ninety percent let off. Yeah, it's nuts, man. Well, especially when it's cold out, that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna pull back a seventy to eighty pound bow when you've been sitting in a tree stand in january in illinois when it's oh well well he, he, hold on he's a texas guy he's still hunting in february where he's hunting in shorts <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey, hey we do get we do get some uh single digits here yeah okay yeah don't give me that <laughs> you guys <laughs> you guys do. get single digits without wind chill so i don't want to hear it <laughs> <laughs> yeah true that hey hey texas cold is a different cold <laughs> mm, hey i can it, cold's That's cold, man. No matter where you're at, cold's cold. And if yeah, you're sitting no, in a tree, it, it, Steve's obviously just yeah. being a jackass. But Texas cold is where you put the uh, the insulated Crocs on. Yeah, I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did shoot one of those uh, elites. I was in Austin the other day at a grand opening of Archery Country. And uh, there were some elite guys there. And I did shoot well, one of the – I forget what the new elite is. The options uh-huh. or the tempo, yeah, or yeah, the, the option. I think the option six or something like that. boy. But man, it was it was a good shooting bow. Of course, it didn't have uh, it wasn't set up for me, but right, just right. drawing it back and shooting it, you could tell it was a it was a great bow. And they put out a and great we, product. We're, we're sponsored. We're sponsored by Matthews, and but we Ted and I both push real hard that it's we Matthews is a great bow and they shoot great. But it may not shoot great for everyone. Right. Yeah. Know, pick, pick, pick the bow that's great for you. Exactly. If, uh, exactly. if a PSE, if, if you can draw back in a PSE and it shoots great for you, pick that bow. That, that's a, that's a great bow. They're all good. You got to shoot what you're comfortable yeah, with, man, because that's what it's all about. Yeah. Though. You got to think about the end game. You want to be able to shoot comfortably so you can yeah. put an animal down as quickly and efficiently as possible. Yeah. Hey, a, a, a quick story about that, which is pretty neat. Um, then kind of speaking of the Fred Bear thing again, there was a hunt, or probably one of my favorite hunts I've ever done with Ted, as we paddled across this lake early in the morning, still under the moonlight, and we get to the other side of the lake, we have to go through this swamp, we hike up on this ridge, and we climb up in a tree stand. It's just a funnel area where we're hoping deer will come through, and the sun starts coming up, the geese start landing on the lake that we had to paddle across, and then here comes a group of three does. And so we're like, all right, so I'm ready. Ted, Ted and I have this thing. He, he knows I'm ready. He know he doesn't have to say, got it. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll get it. My one job as a cameraman is to get the kill. You don't have to ask me if I got it. I'll get it. Right, right. But, uh, but so, uh, he, he draws back this group of three does right there. He shoots one, but because his bow was so lightweight and so quiet, the other deer just kind of they scattered just just a hair, mm-hmm. but they didn't know what was going on. And so I'm, um, you know, T- Ted reaches over, grabs another arrow, puts it on there, draws back, shoots the other one, shoots the second one, uh-huh. <laughs> and it runs off. But the third deer is still standing around, like, why are these deer running off? What's going on? Oh, she so said her death warrant. Another one, right? arrow. We shoot all three of those deer in about <laughs> a minute and a half, and that was probably the. The most exciting, best fun hunt I have ever done with Ted. It was, you know, three does and that quick. They had no idea we were there. That's awesome. <laughs> you gotta yeah. love it, man. Put some backstraps on the ground. Oh, yep, some backstraps backstrap on the ground, and the, the whole feeling of, you know, paddling across a lake, hiking up on a ridge, watching the geese fly down. You know, the whole magical story of the hunt, you know, just unfolded 
awesomely when we got three three sets of backstraps on the ground. Uh, awesome. Backstraps <laughs> on the ground, jerky and in uh, combat vets, uh, you know, yep. soldiers' mouths. Man, what what could go wrong with that? Man, I love it. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with hunting. The only thing wrong with hunting is the, are the anti-hunters. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And for <laughs> Illinois boys, ah, the season's too short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel sorry for you guys up there having to draw tags. I, I listened to a, a podcast before. I think someone said something. You couldn't hunt past noon for turkeys. Oh, yeah, 1 o'clock. Oh boy. 1 o'clock, yeah, in Illinois. What's up with that? I, <laughs> I don't know. government. That's what's up with that. We had another podcast, I think, with Clark. We were talking about maybe the uh, Clark comments from Respect the Game TV. We were talking about <laughs> maybe theories why we thought and – I've always heard that it's you don't want to disturb the hen on the nest, and I, and I don't know what the other one is, mushroom hunters or something like that. Oh, yeah, on um, public ground, uh, that's when mushroom hunters are going out. I don't uh, know. So can you hunt your private property after one? No. Nope. Nope, because mushroom hunters can trespass, apparently, and get a free pass. <laughs> it's not true. Oh, gosh. But, um, they they that, should accidentally get an arrow in the leg. Yes, yes. So it's it's it sucks. It and the the bad thing is about the working class bow hunter is turkey season. There's only a couple of seasons out of the five that are on weekends. I mean, there's some that lap over, but a lot of them, like the first few, are during the week. It's so stupid. So it sucks for yeah, the guys just, who says it's, it's everything that gets you not to hunt. Yeah, and it, there's a lot of. I think it should be that in Illinois, if you have a archery only turkey tag if you could draw that you could yeah. hunt any season yeah you should be able to yep um you, it that's why we we go to these different states and hunt and in one state it's legal one state it's not legal and they are all saying it's based on science of some sort but all right so in texas we can bait but in michigan we can only i think bait until uh we can't bait until deer season starts can't do but anything in illinois <laughs> Why can't we bait before? And then there's some states where, uh, yeah, it, it, where the rules all just no states have the same rules. Yep. So they're basically, you know, obviously they're based on opinions, mm-hmm. suggestions. Yeah, they call it science, and I'm putting air quotes. Yeah. The same science that says the earth is round and that taxation should be legal. It's theft. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, have to shop, I have to stop shooting ducks thirty minutes before uh, sunset. You know, that's the that's the best time in the world to shoot ducks. Right? Yeah, it is. It's the government working hard to yeah. take the fun away. Yep. And I am I allowed? You know, we have dove hunting here. Am I allowed? You know, you can shoot fifteen doves. And so, why do I have to only have three shells in my gun? Why can't I put six shells in my gun? Right, right. No, yeah. I'm allowed. Am I allowed fifteen does, or am I not allowed fifteen does? <laughs> what what do you want me to do here? Ammo and give ammo companies more money. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. We're trying to boost the economy here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Chris, so, where can where can our listeners find you? If, if go ahead and shout out your social media anywhere else where they can where they can get a hold of you. Oh, uh, let's see. You can find me on Instagram. I think it's Chris underscore Helms. And you can find me on Facebook under just Chris Helms. But it's a Chris with a K. K-R-I-S-H-E-L-M-S. Cool. We'll link yeah. all that in the description of the episode. Um, right. We're running out of time here. I think this lines up another episode for us to do, it man. It does. I feel like we could do four-hour-long podcasts if we had to. Yeah, yeah. This was, this was an easy hour, that's for sure. Oh, exactly. I got to give a big thanks to you for coming on the show, man. It means a lot. And I learned a lot about uh, Texas hunting and exotic game and the ranches you work on. And I already have 
probably 20 ideas of other podcast topics mm-hmm. we could do. If you're up for that, I hope you are. Um, hey, I'm down. Bring it. We can, uh, we can get the wife on, too, on one of them. She can... Well, we need here's, to do that here's the sure. thing about your wife. Uh, go follow her on Instagram and enjoy. Just yeah, say she's that. A Amanda <laughs> underscore Helms too. I think. Yeah, she's awesome. She's a killer. Awesome. Yeah, we'll link all your stuff through there. I, I got a, another big thanks, man. Stick around on the phone here, Steve. You got anything to add, real quick? For I have absolutely nothing to add. This was fantastic. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks to everyone who listened. Hopefully you're shooting your bow out there and getting tuned in. Hopefully you learned a lot from this episode. Share it with your friends. Check us out, workingclassbowhunter.com. Subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes if you would. Please, we love you. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow.